don't think I'm I don't think I'm down to be an accomplice. I'm so sorry. I don't think I'm down to be an accomplice. Downward. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I'm I'm such a big gossiper that like somebody's gonna find out. Somebody's gonna find out, and it's gonna be because I I said something. Hello and welcome back to the Bug and Rug podcast. As always, my name is Caitlin and I'm here with Jack. And today we're going to bring you another story that may or may not keep you up at night. Hopefully by the end of it, we will all still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug. But only time will tell. Did you hear all off the wall? I did. Mm. I did. I'm just hoping that nobody noticed. <laughs> of course, you had to point it out, but that's fine. So for this week, I did have planned. I, I wrote out a list of every episode I was going to do in March. I had a St. Patrick's Day episode lined up. And then I realized something much more important is happening at the end of this week, right after St. Patrick's Day. Do you know what that is? It's pretty important for you, actually. Tomorrow's Pi Day. No, later. The 20th is the it's last... one month away. <laughs> Four twenty. <laughs> no. The 20th is the last day of Pisces season. Good. <laughs> Get out of here. And we will be moving into the stinky, stinky season of Aries. <laughs> if you say so. You're not going to defend your fellow Zodiac brethren? <laughs> I don't know. I only know a couple. <laughs> ah, that's fair. All the stars are... I've been gone for millions of years. Wow, that's kind of sad, but... It's new stars, we just don't see them yet. Yeah. Okay, well, way to, way to bring the podcast down. Wow. <laughs> As a Pisces, yeah. I would like to finish out the rest of my season talking about me and Pisces and how great they are, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Isn't this about murder? A little bit, but we'll get there. <laughs> Spoilies! Wow! It's about murder, everybody. (laughs) First of all, it's going to be about Pisces. They're usually considered to be smart, creative, deeply intuitive. The website I looked at said that a lot of them could be psychics. Hmm. Interesting. We supposedly feel things deeply without ignoring the logical parts of our brain. Would you agree? After knowing me? I don't know. Uh, yeah sure yeah why not creativity is a part of us and we often enjoy spending time reading exploring or creating art although we are thought to be very sensitive souls many believe that pisces have a strong sense of right and wrong so does that sound like me yeah all right another fun fact about pisces Along with the fellow water signs of Cancer and Scorpio, they account for the highest number of serial killers to date. Makes sense. According to ZodiacSign.com. Checks out. out. (laughs) That one makes sense. Everything else you said. Did you say ZodiacKillers.com? ZodiacSign.com. 28%. There's only one. Yes, yes. Ted Cruz is dead. (laughs) 
Cruz <laughs> Cruz himself. Oh. <laughs> According to Zodiacside.com, 28% of the 485 serial murderers they studied fell under one of these three signs. I think the fourth was Sagittarius, which is what my sister is, which, you know. Yeah. Sure. So it's water signs or Pisces? Water signs. Mm. Water signs as a whole, but Pisces is up there. Claimed a top four spot on its own. Mm. So, do you think... Think I'm capable of murder? No, because you write about it. <laughs> it's like the number one thing you don't do. <laughs> if you, if you commit, famous. if you commit a true, deep felony, high-level crime, you don't write about it. I can't talk Unless about it. Unless you're O.J. Simpson. Unless you're O.J. Simpson, and then you're fine. Yeah. And then you get arrested for doing something else that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Stealing memorabilia. Yeah, that's true. But not murdering. Not murder though. Didn't do it. He definitely didn't do that one. Proven. <laughs> he was a he was he was acquitted by a jury of his peers. I don't know if it was proven. <laughs> anyway, the glove. I don't. The glove didn't fit. <laughs> so you must acquit. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know what zodiac sign OJ Simpson was. I do know that Peter Manuel, his sign was also Pisces, and he. Man, M-A-N-U-A-L. Manuel. 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 I don't know. His name's P- Peter. It doesn't really matter. I mean, he's a murderer, so if I get his name wrong, are we really that upset about it? He might be. Is he listening? Is he dead? Yeah, he's dead. Mm. Oh, boy, he's dead. <laughs> On his own at all? <laughs> we'll get there. Do you want me to just start at the bottom? I'll read the last paragraph first. Then we'll come to the top. You've already spoiled a lot. No. <laughs> the your emails will be people be mad at me. Yeah, probably a little bit. Peter Thomas Anthony Man- Manuel. Well, here I spelled it with an E. It doesn't matter. Was born on March 13th, 15th, 17th. There were some discrepancies. Of 1927. In March of 1927. He was a fellow Pisces. Fellow Pisces. That's all all we need to know. Early mid-March. Yeah, mid-March. Early to mid-March. Pi date. Maybe. 3.1415. Maybe. That's all I got. That's all I know. So he was born to Scottish parents living in New York City. His family stayed in the United States until the Great Depression brought them back to Scotland. More specifically, Birkinshaw, Lanarkshire. Scotland in 1932, and at this time, Peter was about five years old. Between 1939 and 1946, 12-year-old... Hold on. 1932? He was five or 15? Five. I thought you said like 19... Born in 27. Oh, that was the date. That was like 13, 15, 17. Sorry, 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 sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, whoa, how do we get from 13 to 32 and only be five? And I was, He's only five years old. He, sorry, that was the He discovered... Date. Not the year. Time travel. Anyway, de-aging. Anyway, between 1939 and 1946, 12-year-old Peter appeared at a succession of youth courts for uh, shoplifting... Petty theft. Petty theft, breaking and entering, uh, larceny. Um, he was seen all over the country, including Coventry... 
E-L-Y, Ellie, Eli, I'm not sure. Cambridge, Darlington, Manchester, Southport, Hull, Beverly, Market, Wayton, Chatham, and Glasgow. Are all those places in Scotland? Um, I don't think so. I think he was in other places yeah, as well. most of those are in just like, just, yeah, Scotland, Wales, and England. Right, right. So he was kind of all over the place. On the main islands. Yeah, yeah. So he was pretty much known by police at that point um, that he was a bad egg, as one would say. On June 24th, 1942, Peter appeared at Southport Juvenile Court on three charges of housebreaking. However, this time he also had one charge of unlawful wounding. According to reports of the time, 15-year-old, 15 year, he's 15 now, 15-year-old Peter broke into a house and viciously attacked a sleeping girl with a hammer before stealing her purse and running from the building. His father actually got his son freed after basically paying the bail. And, you know, and he was on bail on charges of housebreaking until he could appeal. I'm not really sure what happened with that. He's still a young kid, so... I think his dad just kind of paid to get... Yeah. I didn't mean to hit her 15 times with a hammer. Yeah. It happens. Slipped. (laughs) So he's out and about, and he's prowling around town. In 1946, so this is about four years later, uh, in between that attack in 1946, you know, he's still kind of doing petty theft. He's known to kind of just be a nuisance around town. Um, and in 1946, he was arrested after three women claimed that he attacked them on three separate occasions. The first woman came forward claiming she was grabbed and beaten by Peter while walking her daughter between Mount Vernon Avenue and Carrick Drive. The second victim stated she only got away from Manuel after he struck her in the face and wrestled her, wrestled her to the ground because a motor, motorcyclist? A motorist? Mm-hmm. Did they have motorcycles back then? Mm. Okay. This is this is near the end, F not the end of World War II. So okay. Yeah. Okay. Motorcyclist, motorist, whichever, heard her scream and they pulled over to investigate and Peter kind of like ran off. A third woman positively identified Peter as her rapist after she encountered him as she was getting off the bus from her shift as a nurse. It was her description to police that clued investigators into who had been attacking women in the area. So she basically got off the bus and he was kind of like lurking around and she didn't really think anything of it because it's a bus stop. And he kind of just grabbed her and attacked her. And then she basically went to the police, described what he looked like, and they're like, oh, that's Peter. We, We know who this is. We know who this is. So at the age of just 16, he was sentenced to nine years in Peterhead Prison for specifically the last attack. Um, I'm not actually sure if he was fully charged for the first two, um, because they pretty much came out un... un I mean, they were hurt, but it, they were short attacks. They came out unscathed for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Investigators were able to try him successfully due to footprints, fibers, and dirt that had been collected from the scene of the crime. They basically um, found footprints that matched shoes that he wore. He had fibers from the woman's scarf, like, on his clothes, and some dirt, which I don't really know how they did this one, but some dirt that they were like, yes, that dirt matches the dirt from the area of attack. Yeah. Which, that one, I was a little bit, oh, that's kind of strange, but, you know, hey, good 
Good for them. He went to jail. Doesn't matter. He was released around 1953. Some of these dates are a little iffy. Um, he got out a little bit early on good behavior. I'm not quite sure, but he, I think he got out a little bit early for some reason. And he seemed to be a reformed man. That's what people were saying. He had no run-ins with police after meeting Anna O'Hare in 1954. The pair hit it off and got engaged on May 20th, 1955, and their wedding date was set for July 30th of that year. They would never reach the altar, though, due to apparently differences in religion. She was Catholic. He was technically Catholic, but he didn't go to church anymore. Also, because, like, he's attacked women before, but I don't know if she knew about that. So the couple split which basically sent Peter down. He, he spiraled. Yep. So he spiraled. On July 30th, 1955, the day that they were supposed to get married, Peter abducted and assaulted a 29-year-old woman named Mary McLaughlin at knife point. McLaughlin would later tell police that the man suddenly stopped the attack to apologize and explain that he was drunk had lost control and was overcome with the desire to kill someone after remembering he would never marry his one true love. She didn't know Peter's name. Like, she knew what he looked like, but she didn't know him. He didn't say his name. But this information that she gave police about what he looked like and what he said, along with her recognizing him on the bus like a few days later, led police to arrest him. Even after finding the knife with uh, McLaughlin's McLaughlin's blood and Peter's fingerprints in the field where she said the attack took place, she gave this whole big description, they found the knife, they found her blood, his fingerprints, Peter walked away free after defending himself with the argument basically... We were ex-lovers. We got in a little fight. I thought we could have some smoochy time. She didn't want it. And basically the jury was like, sounds fair. And she got a lot of backlash from this because it was pretty much like, oh, she's like a stuck-up woman. Yeah. Poor, just, just, poor him. Yeah. Kind of thing. Just... He has the knife, just let him... Right. It was really, like, a weird <laughs> thing, but I guess he was so... Charismatic. Charismatic and good at, like, defending himself that everybody was like, no, no, sounds pretty legit. I loved her, and the knife just fell out. Right. I had it for work. Even though she was like, we don't know each other. Like, I don't know yeah. this man. So, anyway, he, he walks free. Uh, Peter stayed out of prison... Until January 14th, 1958. So, three years later, police arrived at his door with an arrest warrant formally charging him with the murder of Peter Smart, Doris Smart, and Michael Smart, uh, age 45, 42, and 10, respectively. The Smart family had been shot dead in their Udingston home on January 1st, 1958. The attacker had stayed in the family home for about a week. Neighbors said that the cat was fed, um, you know, chimney was going, seemed everything was fine. I don't know how nobody noticed the family wasn't there. But anyway, stayed there about a week, ate their food, smoked cigarettes, hung out before he took brand new banknotes 
in the family car. He then allegedly crashed the family car on purpose. He, like, ditched it, ditched it basically. And Peter was basically only discovered to be behind it because he used the banknotes that he stole at several um, East End Glasgow pubs. Need a fence. Right. And so they were like, oof, buddy. You definitely killed those people, didn't you? So when presented with this evidence, Peter confessed. He was like, yes, I did kill those three people. I also killed like 18 other people. And they were like, what? There, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? I'm sorry about those other people. What other people? <laughs> so he told investigators, he started from the beginning. He basically told investigators that his first victim was 17-year-old Anne Neelands. Neelands had gone missing on January 2nd, 1956, before her body was found on the East Kilbrid golf course on January 4th, 1956, by a man collecting lost golf balls. What a terrible, what a terrible thing to find when you're collecting lost golf balls. She had been raped and beaten so brutally with a length of iron that her skull had been broken into pieces. And they said that there were basically pieces of her skull, like, across this section of the golf golf course and there was like blood everywhere she had lost her shoe in the struggle and she had lacerations from attempting and or attempting to climb and or running into a barbed wire fence so they think that she was he pursued her she tried to run lost her shoe in the mud fell into the fence he caught her and then basically raped her and then beat her beat her and raped her i'm not sure doesn't really matter. Wondering, yeah, both were done. Right. Her possessions were scattered as far as 340 yards from her body, but nothing seemed to be taken other than her purse, which they allegedly found later at her house. Like, not in the house, but like around the house, as if he was trying to... He didn't say this part, but they were speculating he may have been trying to blame it on somebody else yeah neelands had plans that night to meet private andrew mernon of the parachute regiment they had apparently gone out dancing with her sister and some other guy like two nights previous and then neelands and this private andrew mernon basically were like oh we'll meet up again and we'll go on a date on this specific night on january 2nd the night that she went out she left her house and so like she actually wasn't really reported missing because her parents were like, oh, she went out with him. She probably stayed the night at a friend because they were going to go dancing and it was kind of far away. Like, she's going to have to get on the bus. And then basically they found the body and her parents were like, oh, my God. Like, we have to go tell the police that this could be her. It ended up being her. So they looked into this guy, but he was cleared of any involvement after his friends and family confirmed that he had been so hungover and sick that day that he couldn't get out of bed. So he didn't even go to like meet her where they had planned to meet up for the date. He was just at home and basically ditched her, which I thought was kind of rude, but Yeah. Also I feel like in today's world that wouldn't have flown. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'd be like, oh, like, you're supposed to date. You're just, you're just sick. Yeah, 100. Who, any proof? Uh, people were there. Who? My, my mom. My mom. Or, well, listen, well, so 
this happens again with Peter. So Peter had originally been on the list of suspects due to his previous behavior and the fact that he was he was actually working construction on the golf course like at the same time that she had been found. And he was interviewed by investigators, but he said that he was with his dad at home all day. And his dad said, yeah, he was with me. So who do you look at now? Because both people are like, our alibis are our parents. Mommy and daddy. My mommy and my daddy. <laughs> so when Manuel was finally arrested in 1958 after the, the Smart family murders, he gave his confession to Anna Neelan's murder. Um, and it goes, quote, On the 1st of January 1956, I was in East Kilbride at about 7 p.m. in the evening. At about 7.30 p.m., I was walking towards the cross when I met a girl. She spoke to me and addressed me as Tommy. I told her my name was not Tommy, and she said she thought she knew me. We got talking, and she told me she had to meet someone, but she did not think they were turning up for the meeting. After a while, I asked if she would like some tea or coffee. She assented, and we went into the Willow Cafe. I do not remember how long we were there, but it was not long. When we came out, she said she was going home, and I offered to see her home. She said she lived miles away, and I probably, I would probably get lost if I took her home. I insisted, and she said, all right. We walked along the road up to Max Wellington Road. From there, we went along a curving country road that I cannot name. About halfway along this road, I pulled her into Fieldgate. She struggled and ran, and I chased her across the field and over a ditch. When I caught up to her, I dragged her into a wood. In the wood, she started screaming, and I hit her over the head with a piece of iron I picked up. After I had killed her, I ran down a country lane that brought me out at the General's Bridge at the East Kilbrid Road. I do not know where I flung that piece of iron. I then ran down to High Blantyre and along a road that brought me to Berdick's Road. I got home about 10.15 p.m. You know, this kind of reminds me of what these people using their parents as alibis. Not that it's the same thing. But did you ever follow the girl and the guy who went on the cross-country road trip in the van? Oh, yeah. And then he, like, went to his parents' house and his parents are like, He got home without her in the van! And his parents were like, where is your girlfriend? And he's like, oh, I just, like, left her in Utah. And the parents were like, sounds good. We didn't like her anyway. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. We've talked about this before, but I think of anyone. See, I don't think, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm down to be an accomplice. I'm so sorry. I don't think I'm down to be an accomplice. Coward. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I'm such a big gossiper that like... Somebody's going to find out. Somebody's going to find out. And it's going to be because I I said something. Yeah, all these people are going to find out. So, Peter went on to claim that he was the culprit behind the murders of Marion Watt, age 45, Viviny Watt, age 16, and Margaret Brown, age 41, who was Marion's sister. Um, the three women were shot dead in their home in Burnside, Lanarkshire, on September 17, 1956, with a 38 caliber revolver? Yep. Okay. Okay. Marion Watt and Margaret Brown were shot first before Viviani Watt fought the attacker. So... The guess is that he shot the two older women. They were in the same room. 
and the daughter heard and like had gotten up and kind of struggled a little bit with him until he shot her he shot her and this is all basically what they're inferring from the crime scene and then he later confesses to it so so they were covered by a bed sheet by the attacker and were not discovered until miss helen collinson arrived the next morning and saw the broken front door she's basically like nosy neighbor no she worked for them she was like their housekeeper or something like that and she was supposed to go she knocked on the door and nobody was like answering so she went around the back door and nobody was answering and then she was like okay well i guess i'll try the side door or whatever i don't know and then she was like oh like it was it was glass the glass part of it was like shattered and so she called police when police arrived they described the crime scene as absolute butchery The investigators focused on Marion's husband, William Watt. Watt had allegedly been on a fishing holiday in Ardrishiag, but was suspected of driving around 90 miles through the night, faking the break-in, murdering his family, and then driving back to the location where he was having his fishing holiday. He was arrested three days after the funeral and held on remand in Barlini Prison, then released two months later because there wasn't really a case against him. Um, so there were some people who came forward who were like, yes, I saw him driving on a road that connected the place that he was at for fishing to like his home. Like I saw him driving back yeah. home at this time. But then when they were questioned later, they were like, well, it was like a similar car, but I couldn't say if it was actually it was, him. It was a black car. Right. So it was <laughs> Like kind every of, other car at the time. Yes. And then there was like a, she was staying at a hotel and the waitress at the hotel was like, no, I saw him at the bar like at night and then I saw him for breakfast. And everybody was like, oh, well, that'll, that's plenty of time for him to drive back and forth. And police like tested it and they're like, yeah, he could totally drive back and forth. But they didn't use the same car that he had. And when they checked his car, like, he had, like, a full gas tank. So, like, it would have meant he would have had to fill up his tank in the middle of the night while driving and everywhere. They, like, stopped and, like, asked gas stations along the way. And they're like, yeah, we didn't see that guy. Yeah. So, like, it was all very, like, circumstantial. The only thing that they had that they thought it was him was because he he confessed to cheating on his wife. Um, But, I mean... That makes you a bad dude, but that doesn't necessarily make you a murderer. So so he's let go. And they didn't really look at anybody else because they were like, no, it's definitely this guy. Peter was questioned because police were like 99% sure that he had broken into the neighbor's home the night prior to the attack. Man, Peter, listen to this. He wrote to police. He wrote to police after this claiming he knew had committed the murder. He also contacted several newspapers, claiming to have insider knowledge of the crime because he knows the murderer and was talking to the murderer. He even arranged to have a meal with the Watt family and his lawyer, so I assume the husband, at Glasgow's Whitehall restaurant to discuss the case. He claimed that a criminal associate, who he was conveniently unable to name, forgot his name somehow, was responsible for the crime while 
simultaneously providing an impressively detailed description of the Watt home, a description which he claimed had been passed on to him by the perpetrator, uh, while this was super suspicious, and I think they probably should have arrested him right here, <laughs> there wasn't really any evidence, fingerprint-wise, blood evidence-wise, etc., etc., to place him at the scene of the crime. Yeah. Although later when he confessed, he basically said, yes, I did break into the neighbor's house, and yes, I did like st- stake out their house for a day, and then I went in and broke into their house. So, but at the time, the police were like, I don't know, guys. Seems weird that he knows all this, but... Whoever told him, <laughs> great memory. Great memory. You don't, you remember all that? Yeah, what's his name? No idea. Uh, I forget. <laughs> John... <laughs> So, Peter is believed to have shot and killed a Newcastle-upon-Tyne taxi driver named Sidney Dunn on December 8th, 1957. Dunn had been waiting under the portico of Newcastle Central Station with a friend. A man that emerged from the station asked Dunn for a ride to the Newburn area, which was like six miles away or something like that. This man was later described as approximately 24 years old, 5 foot 8 inches tall, swarthy, I don't know what that means, with greased black hair parted to the left, medium build, and wearing a single-breasted dark suit, no tie, no hat. Hours after the man entered Dunn's cab, it was found abandoned with the lights smashed and blood on the steering wheel with some of the doors open. It was found by, like, a police bicyclist, which I thought was kind of funny. Not funny for him, obviously. Yeah. There were no leads into police that knew of Peter suggested looking into his whereabouts of the night. So Dunn's body was found like 150 yards north of the car. A pencil, lighter, and coins were found near the body, but there was no signs of a robbery. Um, a coroner revealed that Dunn was shot and killed with either a 32 or 38 revolver. So they had nothing to go on. So people were like, well, let's look at this Peter guy. So he, he seems to be where all people are dying. He seems, he's got to know. <laughs> yeah, he seems to just know of murders in the area. Yeah. Maybe he's got connections somewhere. Psychic. <laughs> he's, he's a Pisces. He's a Pisces, and he's psychic. And so that's how he knows all of this. So he was in the area, technically, um, the morning of Friday the 6th for an interview. So the two days before and a day before he was technically in the area. A button in the cab was found that could be said that matched one of Peter's jackets. And he was thought to own a revolver. Or knew a guy. Or knew a guy who owned a revolver. Witness description didn't quite fit, though. Um, This is what I laughed earlier about when I was typing it. So the witness description said the man that got in the cab was 5'8", and Peter was 5'4". Yeah. Yeah. And they said that the man that got in the cab was 24 years old and Peter was like 30, what, 30 at this time. They didn't, like, nothing really happened. Um, Peter denied his involvement in this murder. So this is, so he confessed to the rest of these. This one, though, he, like, was like, I did not do that one. I, like, it wasn't me. So, t- Rookie. yeah, I mean, like, take that how you will. Like, who knows if he's lying? You know, is he? Who cares? I don't know. Maybe he did it. Maybe he didn't. Um, There's arguments on either side. Copycat. Maybe. Maybe. A poem found in 2009 was allegedly written by Peter while awaiting his execution. 
Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know where this was. In it, he describes himself as the foulest beast on Earth and Scotland's Frankenstein, which I don't really understand that, but okay. He also kind of confesses to Dunn's murder. So he writes a poem, and in it it says, I murdered Isabella Cook and young Anne Neelands too, shot the Watts and shot the Smarts, and Sidney Dunn I slew. So a lot of people are like, no, he definitely did this, but who's to say? So 17-year-old Isabella Cook disappeared on December 28, 1957, after, le- after leaving her Mount Vernon home with plans to go to a dance at Udingston Grammar School. Investigators were unable to discover her whereabouts. She just disappeared, and they put in a... No, nobody knew where she went, and she was a missing person. Um, they were unable to, to discover her whereabouts until Peter led them to where he had disposed of her body. And he stated that he'd followed her that night, raped her, strangled her, and basically buried her in a shallow grave out in the woods. And so that one, they're like, okay, so you definitely did do that because you knew. Or maybe he knew a guy. He knew a guy. Murdering and raping. Right. So Peter, like I said, he confessed to the murder of like anywhere between 15 to 18 people while in custody, but he was only tried for seven of them. Uh, Peter was tried for all of these murders in a sensational trial at the Glasgow High Court. Press dubbed the killer the Beast of Birkinshaw. So if you look it up, that's like his serial killer name, I guess. As he was considered the worst serial killer Scotland had ever seen. I don't know if that is still true to this day. Maybe. So he, unsurprisingly to me, conducted his defense by himself. He fired his lawyers and, like, was trying it again. Um, he's won it now. Yeah. I mean, he's... he's it's a better percentage than a lot of lawyers. He's won, he's won up on the court system right now. So, in notebooks he used to keep notes about the trial, it was discovered that he had drawn sketches of him burying one of his victims. He claimed throughout the trial that he actually didn't do anything and he never confessed to anything, that the real murderer was a friend of his and he just knew all this information because the friend had told it all to him. Because he knows it. But he forgot his name. So. Short term memory loss. Right. Although the judge, Lord Cameron, admitted that Peter conducted his defense, quote, with skill that is quite remarkable. The killer was ultimately found guilty of all charges against him except for the murder of Anne Neelands, which I don't really understand, but... Is that the one in the golf course? Uh, yes, that was the first one. Peter was hanged on the gallows at Barlini, Barlini Prison on July 11th, 1958 at the age of 31, question mark? His last words were reported to have been, turn up the radio and I'll go quietly. He was the third to last criminal to ever be executed in Scotland. And the official documents about his case have been sealed until 2033. Most people speculate that's because, like, the crime scenes are so gruesome that they don't really want to put it out into the public just yet. For copycats. Yes. Um, One-ups more. Right. So, you know, this guy allegedly has killed up to 18 people maybe more than that um a lot of people kind of agree now that he did kill sydney dunn the cab driver and that he also probably killed all of these other people that he confessed to quote unquote um in pop culture peter 
manual can be seen in season four of Murder Maps, portrayed by James G. Nunn, and was the sole story of the 2013 drama In Plain Sight. That was actually pretty popular, I think. I didn't watch it. I don't know what any of these are, but I think it was pretty popular. Denise Mina based her 2017 novel, The Long Drop, on him. He was also the only, this one I thought was kind of weird, he was the only modern figure in the Chamber of Horrors section of the now-defunct Edinburgh Wax Museum on the Royal Mile. It's no longer there. It's gone. But he was, like, the only modern-day person, which I thought was kind of weird in that. Yeah. Thing. Um, so... Do you think the story will keep you up at night, or do you still think you'll be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug? I don't know. He's dead. He'll be all right. <laughs> this doesn't scare you that, like, anybody else could break into our house, or are you, like, pretty chill? I mean, that's just a risk. It's a risk you have to take with living in a house. Yeah. <laughs> it's a risk you have to take living anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a house. I mean, a dorm room, the side of a, a car. That's true. That's RV. fair. Yeah. That's fair. So... If somebody wants to do some killing. Yeah. They're going to do it. Right. They're going to try. Yeah. And that's why people people were, a lot of um, stuff, if you read about this guy, people were like, if the system would have just thrown him in jail longer, not let him out early, or like cut it off in his youth, he wouldn't have gotten this bad, because he basically kept escalating and escalating. I, wanna, I think this dude's just a bad guy. I want to know if most of the, well, I guess he did do, he did rape some people. How well? What? Um, if it was more of like a, kleptom- a kleptomaniac thing, he's like, I need to steal stuff. And everyone's like, Well, you steal, and he'd be like, Shut up. And he shoots him. Um, but he, but he, then I wonder if it's another thing where it's like, It's still a kleptomaniac thing, or like stealing. I'm not sure because some of them he did, you know, attack, but some of them he didn't. But also the ones he didn't, it was kind of like the family situation. So maybe yeah. he didn't because there were too many people, you know, he didn't have enough. A lot of time, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. The ones where he did sexually assault them or, you know, that sort of thing. They were usually, like, the women by themselves. Yeah. So they were more in a secluded area. The the ones where he was, the families, it was in their house. It was, like, in a neighborhood. Yeah. So it could have been more... Quiet. Could have been, like, a... Because he did steal from the families as well. So some yeah. of them he did steal from and some of them he didn't. So maybe it was a robbery thing and then it was just, like, a... Power, power, and it was an opportunity. Yeah, kind of. I'm not sure. It was kind of all over the place. Some people think that they hung him too soon, and he actually may not have committed all of these crimes. They were just like, well, he confessed to it, basically. Oh, so let's hang him because people are saying these are so different in nature. Yeah, that it doesn't quite make sense. Like he doesn't fit one profile quote unquote so i don't really know i don't really know questions concerns comments from the peanut gallery over here anything no she's just breathing heavy (laughs) he's tired (laughs) questions concerns comments from you what do you feel about I'm not saying this story to celebrate the Pisces season. I just want everybody to remember that Pisces season is still going on. And those are one of the highest serial killer rates. Also, 
To note, though, the water signs also make up the highest percentage of victims of serial killers as well. Mm. So, as a whole. Yeah. So. If I go missing, we know it'll play. Uh, you won't go missing because I need your money. <laughs> <laughs> and your love you- and affection. Yeah. What were you going to say? Did you ever kill anybody? <laughs> no. Hmm. Just making sure. Takes three quarters of a human's body weight to bury them in the river. What? You, you, like people are like, oh, a cement block to hold them down. You need three quarters of like the weight. So if you're 100 pounds, you need at least 75 pounds to hold a body underwater. Really? Yep. How do you know this? Everyone knows that. <laughs> Everyone knows that? <laughs> dad, I don't think so. My dad was a rescue diver. Oh, that's right. That's right. That would help. All right. Pisces season is coming to an end. We're, we're coming in the Aries season. Murder rate's dropping. The murder rate is going to go down. Well, their birthdays are in. Or make them Pisces. Yeah. Not necessarily they're killing during Pisces mm-hmm. season, I guess. Because mm-hmm. um, Pisces season is from like February something to March 20th. So... But Pisces season is coming to an end. Well, St. So Patrick's Day is coming up. we got a lot to celebrate. My Nephling is going to be an Aries. No! Hmm. 20th, baby. No, it's Fingers 20, crossed. 23rd. She could go before that. No, it's scheduled. She could just naturally go before that. Hmm. No. no, we don't need more Aries in this house. In this family. I got... I have, don't listen to her. I have somebody. I have Connor, but... That's it. I need more. You don't need all these murderers right now. <laughs> Doug, Mr. Deal. Oh, man. All right. Well, anything at Pi Day is coming up? No. It'll yep. already be Pi Day. Oh, for not for not for, not for us. Not for... Well, yeah. Well, I don't like yeah. Pi anyway, so... Happy Pi Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy... Happy Pisces season, everybody. Go out and celebrate. If you're Pisces, let me know. It's like Mardi Gras. Then when Aries starts, you you can't you can only eat punch cheese. <laughs> yeah. Or no. You can only eat punch cheese during Pisces season. You can only eat fish during yeah. Aries season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Fish on Fridays. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you want to look at the pictures, I don't have a ton, but if you want to look at them, I have like every the people's photos and the newspaper clippings. You can go to Facebook, it's just bugging a rug. Instagram or Twitter at BIA or podcast. You can look up my uh, resources, bugandrug.pombe.com. Email me. My Aunt Sharon has emailed us a lot. There, She sent us a, a cipher that we'll have to try to figure out. Figure out. Um, so we'll try to figure that out and, and uh, post that. And then... Yeah, email me if you're a Pisces or DM me if you're if Pisces. You, if you're a Pisces, starting feeling murdery, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Tell us. Go to therapy. Tell me. I <laughs> no, I don't want to be held accountable. I don't want to be an accessory to the crime. I won't snitch. I already told you that I would. <laughs> tell him. <laughs> I, won't, I won't snitch. I won't. <laughs> Snitches, it's snitches. If you're a Pisces, let or me tell know. Us. If you're an Aries, let Jack know and we'll see, who's, see who has more. If you're... Tell your tell your psychiatrist, mm-hmm, psychologist, psychiatrist. Either I think. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. Tell somebody you've been thinking about murder. <laughs> Anyways, signing off. I'm Galen. Jack. Bye. Oh.